everyone, and welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, with my co-host, Stephen McNally, and we're set for an exciting F1 season, and quite a crazy one, I'm pretty sure. How about you, Steve? I'm really looking forward to some mix-up in the order. Uh, Got some big changes coming this year, some improvements from some midfield teams and some teams looking to crack the top three anything to alleviate the red bull dominance would be welcome by me i'm you know looking at it i think there's some interesting there's that middle tier you know it's been ferrari ferrari maybe maybe not always there but you know historically ferrari uh mercedes and obviously red bull and there looks like that middle tier of what aston martin and mclaren um and uh Alpine, Haas, maybe. Well, Haas, Alpine or whatever, not Haas. Haas is trying, but because Alpine, there's that middle tier where we might see someone actually finally rise up. They've been jockeying for fourth, but maybe they actually can compete with the top three this year. And I think there might be some interest here where Aston Martin can sneak up. At least that's what it's looking like early on. Yeah, it's it seems like you know the new policies around competitive advantages. You know, we already have the uh, cost cap in place, but not just that. It's the you know inverse uh, allocation of wind tunnel time uh, and other arrow aspects to where if you're finishing last, you get the most time to uh, and most resources to go ahead and try to develop your car. And, you know, conversely, if you're finishing at the top, you're really limited at the time that you get to continue to develop your car. So I think we're starting to see that those other teams are taking advantage of that additional allocation. And, you know, obviously taking a snapshot of the first couple of races of the season last year you would have thought something different right ferrari looked good red bulls having troubles some teams were doing really well by the end of the season some things had panned out right so early season is always a hard thing to predict especially with these changes coming in and people are constantly adapting to these new changes and with the cost cap uh this being the second year but i'm interested to see a few things uh can someone cut into that Red Bull dominance that we saw last year and please make it a, a, a for once uh, in a while here, a nice, interesting competitive season down to the end for more than maybe just two teams. That's what I'm really looking for. I know we've gotten competitive one, two team, you know, one, two team racing back and forth, but can we get a third or even a fourth competitively jiving in there? And uh, also just looking at uh, some consistency and some parity in this group here. Uh, with all the moving them going around, uh, Steve, I, I'm curious if we're going to uh, see some teams really surprised this year that we wouldn't normally expect. Yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to see Ferrari battling somebody other than themselves at some point this year. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well, with a new uh, team principal, I, we'll see if that's really the problem that they needed to solve, right? Um, oh yeah, they always I, say, uh, you know, be- best thing to do is take Ferrari out of the Italian's hands. So. Uh, you know, Freddie Vasseur is now in place, the team principal. Uh, you know, seems to be a more definitive, decisive team principal. Uh, hopefully, that allows them to take away the obstacle of themselves. You know, uh, if they can just worry about competing with Red Bull and Mercedes and not having to cover up their own issues, uh, not cover up, but cover off their own issues, uh, they should be competitive for all 22 races. Yeah, if you really just want to stick the knife in the wound and turn, uh, just watch this season of Drive to Survive on Netflix. And uh, uh, 
it's all put together for you smash cut about <laughs> Ferrari's troubles. So uh, hopefully we don't have that in next season's Drive to Survive. But uh, I think the key thing here is, it, you know, it'll, it'll have an impact on what they do. Uh, depending on what you believe, they need to choose who their lead driver is. And that's what they weren't doing over the last season or so. And uh, that'll probably bear out in some of our rankings here that we're going to get into, Steve. Yeah, because as you know, we we have not had any lights out yet, so away we have not gone. Uh, but everyone's <laughs> everyone has their opinion on where they think everything is going to shake out, uh, as do we. So I think we're going to break into that now and uh, go through our 2023 season predictions, and we're going to start with, you know, the the final grid order, so to speak, of how it's going to be after Abu Dhabi later this year. Yeah, and uh, we'll take it from the the back of the field to the to the top of the podium here. Uh, we'll start with twenty, and I hate to do this to the rookie, but I think Logan Sargent is going to probably have a rough year this year. That that's tough for us, right? Because you know we're South Florida guys. We grew up in Broward County. Logan Sargent, the guy, Fort Lauderdale kid. Yeah, I mean we we've never had anybody in Formula One as closely tied. To where we're from there's been a handful of other recent american drivers scott speed uh alexander rossi but i mean for for us you know he's a hometown kid so uh it's not that we're not rooting for you logan we we'd really love to see you you know mix it up we just think that you know who you drive for so yeah um <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's the williams package it's a little bit unforgiving it it it's tend to be the, you know the underperforming team over the last couple of years so you in your mind you see that continuing godspeed young man on to our next one uh number 19 i'm thinking our boy nick well, well wait, I, I gotta get in my number 20 Oh, sorry. I thought we yeah. agreed on this, but yeah, no, go ahead, no, please. No. I, oh, okay. I, I uh, in, in maybe somewhat of a surprise, I have Yuki Sonoda at twenty. Oh wow, that would be interesting, Steve. Go on. Um, and you know, there, there's as much as we feel like the Williams package might not be great. Uh, I haven't seen anything really positive from AlphaTauri. Uh, I. I feel like that team's a little bit lost at sea at the moment. I feel like, you know, Yuki has a ton of pressure on him. People don't really last on that team for more than three years. Either they move up to Red Bull, move to another team, or they move out. This is third year now. He's had a lot of issues, uh, you know, kind of on the track, racing clean. He's got, you know, he's a big personality for a little guy. But sometimes it's a little bit too much personality for people. I know people are worried about him really taking the, the job seriously. I know that he does. Uh, I just feel like this year's not going to be a step up. It'll be a step back. The car's not going to be competitive. And, you know, it's not that I don't think he won't score points. I just think he's going to be at the tail end of the field. Hmm. That'll be a terrible no-good year for Yuki, and I would say, Steve, in my opinion, a 20th finish would probably spell the end of him for uh, AlphaTauri, and I hate to say might push him towards a bad spot for not returning in 2020. I mean, it, we'll, we'll get into some further predictions later, but I, sure. I, I feel like this is Yuki's uh, swan song in Formula One. Fair enough. All right, 
Number 19, I'll let you go. We'll go snake style on this, so you go next. Uh, well, I'm sticking with Alpha Tauri. I'm going with rookie Nick DeVries. And, okay. you know, Nick's a fast driver, proven winner, proven champion in other formulas. Uh, but, again, I just think, you know, he, he's, he scored points last year in a Williams, but Monza is kind of a track where you can – uh, you, you know, paper mache over some issues with the car, and just if you have good straight line speed and and be able to defend your position, you can get points. Uh, I think over the course of the year, the Alpha Tauri again is not going to be that strong, and I just feel like Nick's going to be, you know, he's going to outperform Yuki. I think he'll still have a seat next year. I just, uh, I see other guys doing better. No, you know, I I have the breeze here as well. Uh. I feel a little iffy on that. You never know. I mean, you make good points about Monza, but it's a hell of a thing to come in, kind of jump in the seat, and uh, fill in in that in a Williams and and get points. Uh, and is that a George Russell kind of show, right? Where we see George Russell jump into theoretically a better car and have a better season in the next season in a Mercedes, or is this just a little bit of fool's gold? But I. I agree, uh, Tad Younger, a little more rudderless. Uh, this team, probably as the rookie, I will have him back in 19th as well. So for me, 18, I'm looking at Alex Alvin. And I like Alex, I do. I think he got a raw deal at Red Bull. But... I just don't think this Williams is designed to succeed, and I have them as my back markers as a team. But uh, I'm just wondering how much longer he can hang around in that situation before he can jump up to another team, possibly, or he's also out too. There's other, there's hard charging people. I mean, I keep watching all of this Drive to Survive to go pump myself up for this season, Steve, and they keep telling you no emotions. I don't care if you like the guys; they're gone. There's you don't perform, you're out. And with only 20 spots, uh, Alvin certainly had a number of years now at this point to make his way. And at 18 finished this year, I think he's fighting for his life. Yeah, and, you know, there, there's not many more likable guys out there than Alvin. I just, you know, he, he's got a good personality. He's fast driver. I feel like he did not get a fair shake in Red Bull. Uh, you know, that second seat of Red Bull seems to have a lot of contentious qualities about it um chew you up and spit you out um i have albin here as well at 18 um and i again i don't want it to seem like i don't rank albin as the 18th best driver i just think package wise i feel like other teams have improved uh i just think as it shakes out that's where he's gonna fall this year um I wish it wasn't the case because you know he's got great qualifying pace. He can really put a good qualifying lap together. Um, I just you know when you're starting 14th, 15th, 16th, you're in like that dirty end of the field. Bad things happen. You know you're never in clear air. You can never really take a, uh, advantage of good pit strategy because you're always coming out in traffic and just uh, it. it it feels like it's going to be an uphill battle for him and Williams. So that's where I have him at 18th. Uh, 17th have the next rookie on my list. I've got Oscar Piastri. 
and 17th. Uh, McLaren doesn't look like it's made a step up from last year. It looks like it's taken a step back. Uh, we've got a rookie slotting in there. Yes, he's an, an, an F2 champion. Yes, he's fast. Um, yes, they spent a lot of money and a lot of headache to get him on the team after everything that went on last year between McLaren and Alpine. I just uh, don't see that car as ultra competitive. Like I, I see him in the mix for points, but it's at the tail end of the points, ninth and 10th. Um, that team is built around Lando. They are going to prioritize Lando. And if, if there's ever a situation where the strategy is going to benefit one or the other, like it's not going to be Oscar unless, uh, you know, there, there's been something really detrimental to, to one of Lando's races. Uh, I, I just think Oscar is going to be a little bit left out in the cold in a struggling car. But I, I, I think on the horizon, they're going to have a better car next year. They're, they have some wind tunnel development coming and some, some resources accruing. And I just think it's going to be a really growing pain year for them this year. So 17th, I've got Oscar Piastri. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Um, not surprising. Rookies tend to not always emerge immediately. Uh, for 17th, for me, I've got Esteban Ocon. Um, wow. I, I yeah I, I look I like I like Esteban I do I just feel this is more about the gains and some predictions that I have for the season of other teams than Esteban uh, I know it's kind of low and I might regret this but I just think that there's some I have some faith in some people I have some lack of faith in certain teams and I feel like this is where Esteban shook out in my rankings. So, again, I, I don't necessarily hope I'm wrong in the sake of I want to be right, but I hope I'm wrong for his sake because I have nothing against Ocon. Yeah, that I mean, 17th is, is to me, would be a, a big surprise. Well, we'll save that for later. <laughs> well, you got at 16. Yeah. 16, though, this is where I put Yuki. Right, I think Yuki will have to take the mantle this year, and it's interesting. They'll see, obviously, because I don't think there's a declaration of who's a lead driver here. But um, you know, for all that said and done, it still gets him at 16th, right, over his uh, teammate. But I think this is just where Yuki's going to be at this point. Um, it's not a great finish, but I just I think he's going to be better than where you have him placed, just because he's just a uh, what a senior driver at this point compared to some of those other ones and behind him the, the rookies the three rookies coming into the field um i think three years in now i think he started to get a little bit better towards the end of the season he doesn't have that security blanket of ghastly anymore um i think he takes the lead i think he'll be better than his teammate uh, than his teammate uh more significantly than i think you had him at yeah i mean it you, you say like he's uh, a senior driver and like this is only his third year, but as being a Red Bull junior, he's come up through the Red Bull system. He's in a Red right. Bull team. Uh, you know, he's had a Red Bull home for many years, so he should feel comfortable in the system. Um, look, and, and 16th, 16th is going to be like an interesting position this year. I feel like the field itself is going to be closer. So 16th could be you only have one points finish all year, but you happen to finish 
you know, fifth or fourth in a crazy race. And maybe you don't score points again, but, you know, 16th place last year was only 12 points. And then 15th was only 18 points. So, you know, you're talking about two points finishes in, in a decently, you know, uh, top five position can change your fate from finishing 20th to 15th. So, 16th for me, I have Zhou Guan Yu, my first Alpha Romeo driver on the list. Uh, you know, he had his rookie season last year. I felt like he was pretty impressive snake bitten by some bad luck at times obviously getting flipped upside down and thrown into a fence is not ideal um, no not at all but i feel like he had some really good races he scored points on debut in bahrain uh had some good wet weather pace he was consistently within like point scoring distance you know he's finished at like 12 13 12 13 you know a couple of 11 places you know he had some unfortunate retirements um that you know kind kind of shafted him where he could have finished in the points um so i feel like with, with the alpha being an above williams and alpha tower package um i, I think we're gonna have a little bit better year from him than previous yeah he finished uh i think 18th last year i think we'll bump it up to 16th this year i um, have yeah go ahead yeah, yeah above him i have his teammate Valtteri Bottas. uh i think you know the the mullet magician himself uh, you know I, I had a really strong year last year he was a top 10 driver but he really banked all those points early on in the season he was a top five driver he was battling lewis hamilton you know you didn't expect them to to share the same piece of tarmac uh with his move to alfa romeo but sure enough there he was um then you know the alfa romeo reliability kicked in had some retirements uh found himself at the back of the pack and just you know kind of fell off a little bit I'm not worried about his future in F1 because that Alfa Romero team is going to eventually become Audi. And I think that Valtteri is like a piece that they want to continue to build around. Um, I just think for this year, they might be playing it a little safe, knowing that in the years to come, once it becomes Audi, they can really take a bigger swing. So I have him at 15. So Steve, I have Zhao... A little bit ahead. Uh, I have Zhao at 15 for me. A lot of the same reasons you said. I just think he'll do a little bit better than with those rookies coming in. And, you know, I know you didn't agree with me having Ocon all that far down. But I just think that he'll get bumped up a little bit because of that. So slight differences there. But all the same reasons. Uh, kind of at a really, you know, you, you can look at it. A lot of his issues were that bit of reliability, right? Uh, some of that youth, but a little bit of more reliability. You got a more reliable car. I think he has a better year last year, too. So I'm hoping for a tad more reliability this year for Guan Yu. And we will see if that turns it around for him to get to where I think he's going to be, which is in 15. And on to 14, I have... Our highest rookie, my highest rookie, Oscar Piastri. And I know I'm going on on a limb here, 
you know, there's nothing out there to say anything, but Piastri with his pedigree and all that they fought over him for. I just think in a McLaren as well that he will have that success that he'll come through and I think he'll be in 14th and he'll outperform the other two. It's nothing against the other rookies. I just think his setup is much better. Are you ready to have your world absolutely shaking? Your whole belief system <laughs> so ripped out from underneath you? Is your 14 that monumentally ground shaking? I believe so. Okay, and, and, and maybe this is just my heart trying to will something into existence. Okay. But this is also a thousand percent tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. And we'll get to it in later. But my 14th, you went with an Australian at 14th. I'm going to go with an Australian at 14th. My 14th is Daniel Ricardo. I have Daniel Ricardo at 14th. And you're thinking, well, Daniel Ricardo, he's not even in a seat this year. That's correct. Mm-hmm. But he's a, the reserve driver for Red Bull. Mm-hmm. You know, lo- lost at sea for a little bit. You know, a- any port in a storm situation, he comes home to Red Bull. And, you know, if, if you followed some of the tension in the team at the end of last year. The team game was a little amiss at Red Bull between Max and Checo. They they weren't helping out each other as much. There was snipes in the media. There was murmurs. There was uh, j- just a little bit of friction there. And it kind of seemed like at the point that Checo after... You know, uh, doing more than his part in 2021 to help Max secure the victory uh, in Abu Dhabi and the championship overall. You know, defending against Lewis Hamilton, do do you know picking up points when when Max, you know, maybe wasn't out of just uh, uh, being as clear cut of a teammate as you could possibly be, and then not having those feelings reciprocated last year and all the frustration that came out, nothing's going to happen to Max Verstappen at Red Bull. They will do literally anything for him at this point. There is no more golden of a boy than Max Verstappen at Red Bull. They'll do anything to make him happy. Would he be happier with Daniel Ricciardo as a teammate? Would Daniel Ricciardo take any position to be back on a grid in a competitive car. Will he say, I will 100% play the number two role as long as I have that seat? I, I can see a scenario where it's race 15 out of 22. Red Bull's got a serious, uh, you know, uh, in serious contention for the constructors championship with a real threat from two maybe three other teams and they just need to make sure that you know Max is in the best position to win the championship they're in the best position to win the constructors championship and they decide that we feel better with Danny Ricardo at the hands of the wheel than Checo Perez and they buy out his contract and they put Mac and they put uh Danny in that seat 
Danny gets some points for them at the end of the year. I, I, I think that's where he ends up at 14th. What do you think? So before you go on to your next one, yeah, let's talk. That's interesting. I'm not, there's always a surprise, you know, uh, we didn't have, we know how petulant Red Bull can be sometimes and that, that middle of the season swap out seats, right? Yeah, that's um, that, that plays into it. You know, Gasly, you're out mid-year. Bring in right. Alvin. Alvin, you only had one year in the seat. Like you're you're gone. Well, we will we will make changes so that we don't have to sit here and remain stagnant. And this is the thing. It's because Checo started this way where he was perfectly fine with doing this, and I can see where he didn't feel like he was properly appreciated for delivering Max a championship, and maybe probably had some undue expectations on them in the first part of last year, uh, considering all he had done. But they gave him an extension, and I'm curious, like, uh, is it so much that it's a removal of Checo, or is it a parting of ways where Checo finds another seat next year and they decide to make the, to rip the Band-Aid faster? I'm curious. I'm curious. But You, you know, the, it, these things happen, they happen fast. You know, I, I think people expected... You know, Vettel last year to potentially retire, but at the end of the year, not to say at the middle of the season. And that was the first domino that fell. And then before you know it, you know, Hulkenberg's back in a Haas. Ricardo doesn't have a seat. Alonso's at Aston Martin. Like, these things happen so fast and happen in such a chain that, you know, there there's going to be an incident or two that happens that maybe really sours the situation. Then it's untenable at that point. You know, like I said, the, the team gave him an extension. But will it become too much for Max to want to deal with at some point? And then he goes to Christian Horner and says, listen, I, I, I can't. Checo's becoming too much right now for me, and they'll do anything for Max. So I don't know. Again, tinfoil hat, reading the tea leaves. Maybe I just want to see Danny back, and I want to see him back in a competitive car. Um, but yeah, that's my number 14. Fair enough. I think he, he has to be back in the seat by Austin, right? I mean, no, he has to be back in the seat by Vegas. Because that was, when, when they asked the drivers, like, what's your dream race? You know, Hamilton said Miami. He said Vegas. Hamilton got to race in Miami. And as of right now, Danny is not racing in Vegas. And that was his one dream race. So he's got to be back by Vegas. Fair enough. All right. Um. My number 13, I've got Kevin Magnuson in the Haas. Uh, I think the car is going to be competitive this year. He finished 13th last year. Um, on, on his day, he's a great qualifier. He got his first pole position last year uh, in Brazil in the wet. Uh, I think the only thing that keeps him from being higher on the list, and obviously I've mentioned him before his teammate, uh, he just cannot drive a clean lap one. Uh at least three times last year he got into it in the first lap um his fault or otherwise but he he has sometimes an issue with giving people space he ends up with front wing damage um he'll try to race on with it but then they'll throw him the meatball flag and bring him in to make him change his front wing and then that's his race shot so i feel like it's going to be a competitive car he's a quick driver he'll have it in contention he's just got to have clean First laps, if he wants to be a consistent point scorer. So Kevin Magnuson is my 13. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I, Magnuson had a pretty interesting start last year. 
um, and kind of tapered off after that uh, for, the, for a lot of the same reasons you just mentioned. I have his teammate at 13. Um, uh, Hulk. I, I have the Hulk. Um, uh, Nico Hulkenberg, I just think that, you know, back on the grid, uh, about as solid and professional driver as you can find. Snake bit driver as you can find. I love Nico. I think a lot of people love Nico. I'm glad to see him back on the grid uh, consistently. But I just think that's where he he goes for me. Um, so far in testing, looks fast. Looks like he's got like you know. Looks like he's missed no time. And I know you know he he's popped in over the past couple of years as the uh, the super sub, mm-hmm. but I, you know obviously not consistent. And sometimes, yeah. yeah. I mean he he popped in in 2020 and got points both time he showed up. Um, I'm not saying I'm married to it. It's not drastically. I'm just saying that I think Nico might have the same problems that the Haas has. He goes, I'm I'm giving him the same thing. Look good. So did Magnuson last year, early on. So did Hulkenberg, tapered off, right? So I just think same thing kind of bites him here. I mean, for me, my, you know, uh, I'm not far off from you. His teammate's next for me. So, uh, so you have at Magnuson 12, at 12. Is, is Magnuson for me. And, uh, you know, same reasons. I think they're roughly the same. For the for different reasons, uh, I think Nico is a little bit more consistent. Magnuson has some little highs, a little bit more highs in that car, and a little bit more consistency in that car. I just think they'll be about the same, you know, uh, for me this year. That's where they, that's where they're going to live. Not much separation between the two. To me, they're probably some of the more evenly matched drivers on on a team in in the grid. So I have Magnuson at twelve. You know who I have at twelve? Nico Hulkenberg. Well, hey. <laughs> I, we're just swapping bodies at this point, right? Well, I mean, we we have them close. Obviously, it, it's almost like a coin flip between them. Again, the only reason why I have Hulkenberg a spot higher is just, I I feel like maybe he can keep it a little bit cleaner on lap one. But then again, if we've got them twelve and thirteenth and thirteenth and twelfth, and they're starting next to each other, there there is a history of some unsportsmanship. Let's say um, uh, all all you need to do is a, a quick. Google search and there's one of the most clippable moments of all time in F1 between the two. They've seemed to have buried the hatchet, but that's before they've ever had to line up next to each other again. So if they're qualifying similarly, they're beside each other on, on, on the grid and a history of maybe not keeping it clean, man, it's going to be some great Steiner fodder for next year. If these two were constantly colliding with each other and we're just going to have maybe four or five episodes just dedicated to doors being smashed. And we all know what Gene Haas's uh, biggest bugaboo about any of his drivers is, is how much money it costs when they crash one of his cars. Exactly. So here's the thing. If they don't wreck the car because Mick ultimately really, really lost his seat because he totaled two cars at the beginning of the year first half of the year he totaled a car in saudi couldn't even run that race he totaled a car in monaco and you know when you're up against a cost cap and you want to upgrade your car but you can't spend that money on upgrades because you got to put back to the the car you just destroyed uh that puts you at a competitive disadvantage yeah i i think we know this where we see almost any team right stupid crashes are essentially like crashing your teammate or whatever and wasteful crashes, right? And uh, that play cost last year. That's why they go with this more senior lineup. And that's why Mick's off the grid. I agree. Somewhere, some way, you're right or I'm right. I think the, he goes, this is where the, the next place for these 
these boys to sit in the Haas cars is right around just just south of mid mid pack. So, and at eleventh, I'm going Lando Norris. I've got him falling outside the top ten, you know, which you know is is harsh for such a fast driver. Finished seventh last year, and again, it's not a knock on Lando. It's more where I feel that McLaren has ended up with their development from last year to this year. I feel like that team has been outdeveloped. You know, they already fell from, you know, fourth to fifth uh, from the previous year. I feel like they'll they'll take another step back as teams step forward. I think Lando's still going to have some success throughout the year. He's still going to be a consistent point scorer. Um, I just feel like he's going to be, you know... I don't want to say he's going to have Daniel Ricciardo levels of success last year. Uh, I, I think there'll be more points to had in that 9, 10th, 11th place because I feel like the field's going to be closer. I just uh, see other teams having outdeveloped McLaren, and I think he's going to do the best he can with that car. It's just not going to be as good as some of us might have hoped. So who do you have at 11? Fair enough. Uh, interesting for you on the McLarens. I have Lance Stroll. And I know given the early season look of Aston that we might think that's low. But it's Lance Stroll. And I just <laughs> I just never like Lance. I hate to say that. Nothing personal. It's just for a guy who has been partnered with multiple people across that team, he's never seemed to really outshine any one of them. And... I think he's not going to have that happen again this year. And he just drives a good car mediocrely. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, so uh, he's right in the middle of the pack for me. I just think he makes some dumb mistakes sometimes. He doesn't get the most out of a good car or whatever reason. He's just never top man on his team. So he's always getting second banana on his on the setups. So I have him 11th for me. That's just where I think Lance Stroll is going to be. And this uh, in this pecking order, I I just don't think they've made enough of a stride for that to rise his ship. If that makes sense. Um, no, completely fair. Yeah, I mean, got bested by Seb last year. You know, got check bested, before. Right? Got, uh, well, got that was his uh, second year with Seb. But yeah, he got bested by Seb the year before that. Um, you know, 2020 when it was Racing Point, right? Uh, and they had the pink Mercedes, so it's like the best car that they had probably until this year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Sergio finished fourth in the standing and, and won a race. Lance picked up two podiums, but he finished 11th. Uh, you know, he had a pole. <laughs> he he had a pole that was nice, but he turned that pole position into a ninth. He's a good wet weather driver. He had a good uh, wet race in you know Suzuka last year. Had an amazing start. Um, but I, what I think really a stroll is, is that he's gutsy, but I mean, sometimes gutsy gets you in some trouble. Right. And I, he goes, he can pray for rain all he wants, but there's only so many of those that happen and it's still, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, I just think, you know, as you just mentioned, nothing more justifies my 11th than what you just said <laughs> Two podiums yeah, he's uh, and finished 11th. And I'm like, yeah, I, I have no problem. I, I might even say when we get to that portion of our podcast, Stroll might be on a podium for me this year, but I also think he's 11. Yeah, um, he's, uh, he's mid, you know? He's very mid, right? He's mid. He, uh, ha he hasn't beaten 
uh, a teammate since uh, 2018 when he was on Williams. Right. So jumping into the top 10 for me here, and maybe not a really good spot for him, but uh, Pierre Gasly on a new team. I just feel like while if this was last year, it'd be higher. I just don't think Alpine has made the progress or kept the progress without keeping the others at bay. So I feel like he'll have to get used to this car this year, figure some things out. He's definitely the guy. Uh, he goes here, you know, presumably because he's tired of being in the Red Bull shadow, right? He wants to go to a team that is designed to win for him. Needs a clean start. Um, yeah, he needs a clean start, right? So clean start, fine. I hope it goes well. But sometimes the grass isn't always greener here. And I'm not saying it can't be long-term for Gasly. I just don't think it's with the Alpine this year. So for me, uh, Gasly, uh, top 10. And uh, I you, think... have him, you have him seven points ahead of his teammate. Or seven places ahead of his teammate. Right. I mean, I think he's obviously going to be better than his teammate this year. I just really love the synergy on that team. It's a French team, two Frenchmen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I think he'll outperform Ocon. And, again, you know, I know you think, Jesus, you had him low, Ryan. But um, I I think he'll be much better. But I don't know if it's what Gasly's looking for. Is that fair? Like, I don't think No, it's, that's fair. Yeah, I could, right. Because I have Gasly at 10 also. You know, I, I think the Alpine will have a good package. Um, you know, they finished fourth last year. Um, you know, whether or not they finish fourth this year, I don't know. I Again, I feel like the uh, the Aston Martin package is looking pretty solid and at the hands of Same. a two-time champion can score a, a bucket load of points. I have Gasly at 10, same as you. I have him behind his teammate, though, because Esteban's been in that team now. Uh, this will be his third straight year. He's a race winner. Uh, he finished ahead of his teammate last year. His teammate last year was Fernando Alonso. Um, you know, Pierre had a rough year last year, but the, the Alpha Tower was not good. Uh, he is in a better car this year, so I expect better results. Um, and he, he's a, you know, he's a race winner as well. Uh, he's a guy with proven pace. He's still young at 24 years old. Or, I'm sorry, uh, no, he's, uh, uh. He's 27, I think. But still, like that's still, still that, young, that, youngish. That, that's yeah. still a good age for some time to, to grow, especially on a team that that had some competitive advantage. Um, so I, I think he'll find himself in the mix for points every race and the odd podium. So I have him at 10. Um, at nine, I have Lance Stroll. So I have him. You know, you want Stroll, Gasly. I want Gasly, Stroll. Uh, I just. You know, I don't think Stroll's a better driver than Gasly. I just think he'll have a better car in better starting positions. Um, you know, like I said, what, whether he can turn it on, needs to. Probably have some wet races here and there. Um, do I feel like he's going to come anywhere close to his teammate? No, but I think the car is good enough to have him in the top ten. Fair enough. Uh, for me at that slot, I'm looking at Valtteri. Wow, okay. So I think Valtteri, very solid, consistent driver, very frustrating driver if you were ever a Mercedes fan watching him go through. <laughs> but, you know, I think uh, someone who has that, you know, seasonness to him, he 
will carry that team a little bit well. I think some of the inconsistencies we saw in that team hopefully won't perpetuate. I feel like that was carrying over from who they use to get their their parts and engines and everything else too. Hopefully that'll fix the other team's problems too. Um, but for me, I just think Valtteri's solid. He's a solid guy compared to like, you've got three rookies on here. You've got some folks returning. You've got some, some people who are under some really interesting situations. Uh, I just think for me, Botas comes in right nice around ninth. All right. Uh, looking at eighth, I think this might be a bit of a surprise, and you might find it surprising. And I don't really like putting this man here because he's one of my favorite drivers. But Carlos Sainz. Mm. And here's my reasoning. New team principal, there's a reason why that happened, Right. Well, I mean, it's abundantly clear if you watch F1 last year. Boy, howdy, did they not know what the hell they were doing, it feels like. Boy, howdy. But I think one of the major things that they didn't know what they were doing was choosing who their best driver was. And this new principal coming in, Vasur, right, is going to pick Charles. And I think it's abundantly clear, nothing against Carlos, who I think is a very good driver. It's Charles who has the best chance to win a championship or compete with Red Bull. And if that's their goal this year, they've got to make that decision. I think that wasn't happening last year uh, as much, or definitely not enough where they were not screwing with each other uh, as a success. So I think partially that's going to bump signs down a little bit as he has to take a second banana seat. I think he'll bristle with that a little bit as well, have some frustration. And that has me having him probably having some frustrating uh, days, some crashes pushing too hard, uh, maybe a touch of unreliability that we saw Ferrari last year still prime up and being second banana. I think that all just smells like eighth for me for Carlos. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you have him at eighth, this will be his first year since 2018 where he has not improved year over year. Uh, you know, he's gone, you know, a step better every year. And, you know, he's been on you know, Renault, then to two years McLaren, two years Ferrari. This will be his third year with Ferrari. Um, so, you know, he's consistently improving, but you mentioned the mistakes, uh, Australia spun himself into the gravel trap in the first lap. Uh, Imola, the, the next, uh, race, you know, did Danny stick a nose in, spin him a little bit, did not give him enough room. Like, you know, ultimately Danny's fault, but that's a first lap incident again. Um, in Japan, Push too hard in the first lap. You know, it's soaking wet conditions. Try to survive. Gone on the first lap. And then you couple that with, you know, the uh, unreliability of the Ferrari at times last year. You know, there was a ton of points that he left on the board. And if we're talking about a close field where it was, you know, less than 30 points to fourth position and he finished fifth overall, um, that's not something you can do. And like I said, uh, the prioritization of Charles Leclerc. It's like, you know, the worst thing to be is indecisive. It's better to have bad decisions than just to be indecisive. He certainly, he certainly should have finished higher last year than he did just purely based, I think on his own performance. Right. Right. So that's where I put him at. So at, at eighth, I've got Esteban Alcon. Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit more comfortable in the car than Gasly. Uh, my concern, same thing with, 
with Haas is that if these two guys are sharing the racetrack, there is a bitter history between them unrelated to racing. Uh, that would be interesting to see how that plays out. They claim they've buried the hatchet. Who knows what happens when you're going for the same corner, fighting for points. And Ocon already has a history of battling out with his teammates. He he defended really hard against Fernando Alonso last year. He had multiple incidents, uh, incidents with Checo while they were together at Racing Point. Um, so I think there's a propensity for fireworks here. I'll be excited to see how this plays out. Ultimately, I feel like he'll have... You know, it'll come down to two or three races where he finishes better than Gasly. That'll put him in eighth over his tenth. Uh, at seventh, I have signs, so I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Only a position off with Carlos. Uh, and like we talked about, it's if if he wants to be up there in the top four, you know, the the car is competitive. He's got to overcome his own mistakes if he really wants to be able to compete. I don't see him as a championship contender this year. I see him as a you know race winning driver, but ultimately uh he's gonna be, you know, far enough behind his teammate that he'll fall out of the top five and he'll be seventh for me. I think for me, this is where I slotted in Lando Norris. You've got Norris at seven? Yeah. And I just think it's weird. It's like Signs and Norris just have this interesting career where they seem to find each other, whether it's in the standings or not. But for me, I think seventh feels like a disappointment also for McLaren, but also is like, given what we've been talking about, is like top end of what they can expect this year, given some of the other growth. So I just think I like Lando for whatever reasons. He just seems to... You know, he outperformed his teammate last year significantly, I think, for the most part. Or, you know, especially on certain days. It's just the setup looked different. It looked like Danny was just like, why, right? Um, why am I out here? Yeah, the but, car never clicked for him. And then in right. the race, he did get some, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh, crap. Gonna have to do a little pause here and do that. Uh, it did seem like in the race he got some unfavorable strategy calls and Lando was prioritized. But, I mean, again, if you're ahead in the race, you are going to be prioritized. Right. Um, so I think Norris will find himself in that position this year with Piastri as his teammate. He's going to get all the favorable calls. Right. So Norris is going to be in a favorable, I'm probably even more so, right? I, I'm curious, though, with uh, Oscar being hungry and wanting to be a little bit better. And, you know, I think Danny got a little down on himself last year. And didn't look like he wanted to race. You know, at one point we were talking about he may take a step away. I was surprised he got himself back around to being a test driver. But, you know, you have a little bit more of a hungrier person there who's trying to show himself. I just think it'll it'll kind of cut into some of what Norris wants to do. So I just have him at seven. Yeah. Um, I, I just think he'd, he'd have to be outperforming the car if he wants to get there. Fair enough. Who do you uh, have at six? Six is George Russell for me. Ooh. And this isn't anything against George. I just think it's unfortunately the gains of some other people, you know. Um, I really like George, and I think George has shown the capacity to be a really good driver. Nothing shows your ability more than being able to steward a Williams around and get points out of that thing. Um, and just, you know, that 
that uh, cup of coffee he had when he filled in uh, Mercedes that year before he switched over um, was, you know, very impressive. And he had a great year last year, more consistent than Lewis was a lot throughout the year, right? But I feel like he's still not number one on that team. Um, Lewis will get priority. And this has more to do with, I think, the gains of some other teams than it has anything to do with Russell's ability. It's just sometimes you're a better driver, sometimes you're a better team, but so is everybody else. So he comes in a six for me. Okay. Uh, six, I have Fernando Alonso. And since you haven't mentioned him yet, I assume you have him higher. Um, yes. So I feel like it's going to be a very competitive car. I feel like he's a very competitive driver. I feel like he's as as sharp as ever and as good a form as ever. Uh, I just, you know, we haven't seen this entity, you know, this Aston Martin team, like, really put together a full season with, you know, reliability, strategy, development resources, can they put the whole thing together for a whole season? Um, and, you know, Fernando is a very mercurial guy. He could sign a three-year contract, you know, this year to extend it. He could retire mid-year if, if something doesn't really go his way. Like, either are distinct possibilities. The Aaron um, Rodgers of the uh, of the F one pattern. Yeah, yes. You know, he could just lock himself in the room with no lights if he really wanted to. Um, but I, you know, I think if he sticks out this year and, and next year, they have significant, significant facilities upgrades coming at Aston Martin. That next year, I think would be his best shot ever at claiming his third sought after so close couldn't believe he missed it by three points world championship um but th this year i think he's going to be in the hunt for consistent podiums and you know he'll be at the sharp end of the field um almost every time out so i i have him six uh, i have perez sergio perez checo right ahead of him at five uh red bull's got a strong car I would put him higher if I felt like he was going to finish out the season, but I feel like he's not going to. I think that tracks. That tracks. That yeah. definitely tracks what you said earlier. So I, I, I still feel like, you know, he will probably call his own strategy a couple times and maybe go against team orders uh, because, you know, when you've tasted the kind of success that he's had and, you know, you're 33 now and you're looking at, I mean, Fernando's 42. Who, who knows when the end of anybody's career is. But, like, when you're 33 and you were so close to being out of the sport anyway, you find yourself in a car like this, the competitor in you takes over. It's like, if I've got a chance to win, I'm going to go for the win. Um, and I think that's fair to him. But uh, I have him at five. So start off your top five. All right. So for my number five, I have Fernando Alonso here. I just think the gains of Aston Martin, at least early on, he's a two-time champion. He, I thought he looked pretty decent last year, although I know he wasn't necessarily the better one on his team. I just think this is an interesting move. They went out and got him. You know, you look at that silly season, uh, 
man does Alpine look Otmar just look like what a what a bad situation he he's he got pants he got oh, yeah, pants he's, he's on his third choice his third choice is driving for him this year he thought Fernando's coming back then he thought well at least we got Piastri and then it's like ah oh, we're going to Pierre right so I mean for here that just to say that to say they went out and got they targeted Alonso they wanted Alonso after Seb left and that's a choice and I think uh, all that lines up for a top five finish for him this year for me. And I think he, you know, has an interesting year in this car. I think probably more success early while you catch some people off guard. And I think just like a lot of teams, when you have to make those adjustments middle later towards the season, we'll see if uh, Racing Point, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Amaston Martin shows up again um, and has some issues, right? Yep. Um, uh, for... My numero quattro, I have our man, the legend, Lewis Hamilton. It's got to be tough. And it's it's tough for a few reasons. One, I hate to see him tailor out these last two years, three years, four years, whatever it may be, of his career without having that chance to gain that elusive championship that he's probably seeking to cap the career. And... I feel like he's getting further away from one that he, I think, in his own words, feels like was stolen from him. Um, and so here, this is just the dominance of Red Bull and the uptick in quality of other teams where this is where Lewis sits in fourth for me. And I hate to say that. I think Lewis will be Lewis. He just doesn't have the car to be Lewis in. Uh Four for me, I also have a Mercedes driver, but I've slotted in George Russell here. Uh, he finished fourth last year. The most consistent driver on the grid. Uh, you could plug him in for a top five finish every week, uh, aside from the one where he's flipping over other cars. Uh, you know, I think another year in the car, he's going to be as comfortable. And, you know, obviously, I have another Mercedes driver at three with Lewis Hamilton. So I have both my Mercedes drivers in the top four and that's just maybe a blind belief, but just a belief that if there's any team that can make adjustments throughout the year, it's Mercedes, you know, they started off a little slower last year, certainly than anybody expected, but against the other teams, but then, you know, had a resurgence where they had a driver on the podium uh, you know, talk about the last 16 races. They had a driver on the podium except for three of like the last 16. And there's double podiums in there. They had a one, two in Brazil. Uh, fastest laps mixed in there. George Russell had a couple of poles. Or excuse me, had a pole. Um, and, you know, they, they used Lewis Hamilton as essentially a test driver throwing all these setups and experimental parts at the beginning of the year, trying to figure out the car. I don't think they're going to do that this year. That's why I think Lewis will ultimately be ahead of George. Um, they'll let him really just do his job. Um, but I have the Mercedes drivers at three and four, uh, just cause I feel like even though they might be a little slow out of the gate, I don't think there's a better team prepared to develop the car throughout the year. Fair enough. I have them at four and six. And for my number three, I don't have the uh, 
disruption in Red Bull that you have predicted. So I have Sergio Perez, our good friend Checo, here at number three. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Hopefully we'll get him on soon. And the thing here for me is I just think as consistent as I, he is one of my favorite drivers to watch. If he, I go, this is not a Red Bull fanboy cast. So if he was not driving for Red Bull, he'd definitely be one of my guys I'd be rooting for on a regular basis. But I just respect the way he drives. He's always in the race. Uh, we've seen it countless times as man come from the back and turn a, a bad day into a great day. So I just think that skill set in that car, he's top three. Yeah, maybe and... maybe not our favorite driver, but definitely he's got our favorite dad. <laughs> Correct. That guy is amazing. Amazing dad. Papa Perez uh, is great TV. Papa Perez, TV dad through and through. Like, you want him to be your TV dad, right? Right. Uh, so, yeah, Perez for me at three. And who is your 2023 runner-up? So, my 2023 runner-up may not be surprising if you've been listening this far and I haven't mentioned his name. Charles Leclerc, right? I just think he'll have the consistency this year to be a little bit more competitive but he'll still be wishing he was on the top in p1 right do you have it a little bit closer this year than last year it was 150 points between them please please god yes i think more consistency (laughs) this year i think more direction more obvious charles is the guy who's going to be chasing verstappen so we're setting up this race for him so closer i think max will have to sweat it out a little bit longer this year um and have to worry about him so that's my number two i think he's definitely going to show some improvement this year but not get the result at the end of the season that he wants uh which is obviously number one at this point for him and for ferrari ferrari that's what they're looking for to sit back atop that uh uh that number one championship for the driver and number one in the constructors and i just don't think that's going to be quite that femme for this year, but it's definitely a better outing than last year. And they're progressing uh, arrow up on Charles, even if it's a second place. Yeah, certainly a championship caliber driver. Uh, he just needs the strategy and the reliability to go along with it. I have him at two also, and I think it'll be an improvement over last year. I think Freddie Vassour is the right guy to lead the team. Um, I think it'll be an improved year. I just don't think the gap is closed enough to our joint number one. Um, and, you know, it brings us no joy. It's not that, you know, we, <laughs> we, we we don't dislike the person to an extent. Uh, he just, it's just looks I, like a Bond villain. He, uh, Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, you know, just needs a swivel chair and a cat to, like, really round it out. But, uh, you know... I think I think Max is set for his third straight. Um, I I know we want to see some kind of shakeup, and you know there's possibilities for anything to happen during the year. I don't think he'll be as dominant. I think he's going to have to fight as hard as he did in 2021. Um, I think some things really broke his way in 2021. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, often in the race official way, but yeah. in, in the in the race official way, they got to spend a little bit of extra money and only got a slap on the wrist. Right. I mean, you know, that's a whole nother bag of worms. Um, so I don't see Max Verstappen 
dominance, at least I hope not, but I think we both agree that his quality as a driver, the quality in the car, this year will be an unbeatable pairing. I think so. You know, the don't have to spend a ton of time on this. It's an obvious thing, right? And this, again, this is much like, you know, me and Steve, we mentioned before, we are Broward County uh, uh, born. And Florida raised. men. Florida men. Uh, but I say that to say we're Miami Dolphins fans, and we know what greatness looks like even if we hate it, and that's Tom Brady. And this is where that feels like the same way here. We can acknowledge greatness. Max is a great driver. He's a phenomenal driver. Maybe a little bit more love shown for him than maybe he deserves and given to him. But he's earned his way to where he is now and being considered the top driver on the grid. Yeah, um, and you know, maybe he he can easily in the next couple of years get himself into that conversation where, you know, Mount, Mount Rushmore quality. Yeah, he's, he's young enough and, and having success at an early age enough and on the right team uh, to have a long career and have all the opportunities of success that you've seen Lewis have and um, uh, Schumacher have, right? There's lots of opportunities available for him. Yeah, I'd love to have a shock champion, uh, but I think, you know, while maybe safe in, in a prediction, we both have Max at the top of the grid. Yeah, let's, now it's time for our dart throws. Uh, well, before just before we say what our constructors are based off of our our uh, our parents. Well, yeah, let, let's do one. the constructors. Bang that out because you know I think it's evident from kind of how we've gone through. My ten starting at ten got Alpha Tauri, then Williams will be marginally better. Alpha Romeo, McLaren at seven, Haas solidly in the midfield at six, Alpine. At five, Aston, I don't think will crack the top three, but I think, you know, that three, four, and five will be a lot closer. I have Ferrari at three. I have Mercedes cracking the top two. I think the combination of Russell and Hamilton will be very, very, very close to total point-wise with Red Bull, which is why I suspect that they'll have to dig into their driver lineup to... (laughs) revive the corpse of Daniel Ricardo, uh, and then ultimately Red Bull will finish on top. It's pretty similar. You know, we do have our changes that will make us different, but Williams bringing up the, the rear for me, Alpha Tari, then Alpine. I just don't believe in Alpine as much as you do, at least Esteban anyway. Haas, Alfa Romeo, my top five starting with McLaren, then Austin, Aston Martin and four. I just think they, they crack in there and I think they look really good. They're competitive. They're not just uh, uh, they're not just getting into that next tier. They're they're starting to attack the top tier. Ferrari at three, Mercedes at two, and Red Bull at one. Um, and I don't have the Checo Discord that Steve has, but I still still think they get the Red Bull. <laughs> I just want to see a little bit of chaos. Yeah, no, no, nothing wrong with that. Screw them. I like seeing the top team have a little bit of chaos, right? Right. Yeah. Um. So let's let's go ahead and think. Uh, about who's going to take, you know, the the ultimate weekly prize. Who's going to come out on top of race weekends? Who do we think uh, gets P1 throughout the year? And then we are not talking about sprint race P1s. We're talking about Grand Prix wins. Who do you have as your winners in 2023? So I'm going to be a little bit more shares of love. I do think we have a little bit more parity this year, just given the way it is. And that's what I'm hoping for. That's where I'm seeing a closeness of race, if you will, is that there's going to be some 
more people chipping away at podiums and chipping away at P1s. So I have Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez, Hamilton, Alonso, Russell, Sainz. Okay, we have the same seven. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we've got the, the top three teams each picking one up. Uh, or each driver from the top three teams picking one up. And then Fernando Alonso also getting a win. And that's what I have. I have the same seven. Um, just for a little bit of, uh, you know, baseline clarity. Last year we had five winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2021 we had six winners. That's when we had both uh, Esteban and Daniel Ricciardo picking up midfield wins. That's the most amount of wins we've had for quite some time. Because it's been uh, past couple years, 5-6, five, 5-5, five, 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 going back to 2017. So we really haven't had seven winners in quite a long time. Uh, I remember 2012 was a crazy year for parity. We had seven different winners in the first seven races and eight winners overall. Um, I would love to see something that spread out as far as quality in the field. Um, I think there's a chance for seven. I don't know if there's a chance for eight. Someone else would have to really sneak in there. Um but it's interesting yeah. to pick the same seven. It is. Uh, I don't know. I think you're probably a little bit more solid on Carlos winning one. I think it'll be a surprise in winning one. Hmm. But uh, that's about the difference yeah. there. But th- I mean, he was he was close a couple times last year. Ultimately got one. Uh, you know, w- was he beneficial from a little bit of strategy call there that they, you know, messed up, you know, Leclerc's race? Yeah. But, you know, he, he had... You know, a close call winning a race when he was with McLaren, I I think I think we can put him down for a win. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about podium finishers. So I think there's some podium positions out there to be had for guys. Like obviously, the seven winners will have podium finishes, but who else has the opportunity to finish on the podium? Uh, I think Stroll will get himself onto the podium. I think Esteban Ocon will get himself onto the podium. I think Lando Norris will drag that McLaren onto the podium at least once. He was the only other podium finisher last year, not in the top three teams. So we, we did not have any like surprise guest stars showing up in the top three, but I think Norris will do it this year. I think of the two Haas drivers, it'll be Kevin Magnussen. I don't think Hulkenberg will get his podium. Uh, I think he'll finish ahead of Magnuson, but I think Magnuson will ultimately be the one to get the podium. And I think Daniel Ricciardo gets on the podium in his uh, late year uh, substitution. So I've got Ricciardo, Norris, Ocon, Stroll, Magnuson as the uh, other podium finishers than the winners. I have all of those except for Danny and Magnuson. I am going to say Nico breaks the cherry and gets it in. I think he sneaks in and gets on the podium. And I'm going to say Gasly gets a podium. Okay, so you think both Alpine drivers get a podium. You think Gasly and Alcon get one. Yes. Let's talk about biggest surprises of the year. Uh, and if you want, I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. I think you dropped the biggest surprise for me is that you think Checo is gone and you think Danny yeah. gets in some points. So, so yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that. My, I, have, I have two, quote-unquote, big surprises. My first is that we'll have 24 drivers getting a start this year. Oh, wow. That's you know, there, there's, there's, there's 20 drivers on the grid. 
at, at, you know on the starting grid. Um, but I think we'll see four other drivers get a start. Last year we had 22. We had a couple of substitutes. Um, I think that'll be the case this year. I, th- I think if anyone comes down with COVID, they'll still have to miss a race. I don't think they have gone to the point of letting somebody race with COVID yet. I think the restrictions are still kind of tightly in place there. So there's still always the possibility of that happening. Um, so I think obviously we talked about the Checo Danny swap. Uh, I think there is a possibility of Yuki not making it to the end of the year. And I think maybe uh, Alpha Tower give Lee and Lawson uh, an opportunity to race. I think we'll see Felipe Drogovic at some point. Um, and I think maybe even see Teo Porcher uh, make a substitution. You know, those are reserve drivers for other teams. I think, you know, the combination of teams looking to shake up their lineup and maybe some COVID substitutions, I think we'll see 24 drivers this year. We've seen 22 last couple of years, so I think 24 is not out of the question. Um, my other big surprise more or less is I think the world championship winning driver who we've said is Max Verstappen uh, will win the championship with eight wins or less. Uh, I think that the champion for every year uh, until maybe uh, 2012 maybe was the last time that the championship winner did not have double digit wins. I think this year will be enough parity and enough close racing that nobody gets to double-digit wins. Fair enough. I don't think that's drastically going to be one for me either. I mean, I don't want to say it's my surprise. I kind of was in the same boat. We kind of came down similarly on the parity this year. So I think that's just more bearing out the fruit, but you're more specific about it, and I appreciate it. I just just think more parity this year is – going to open that up it's interesting you think 24 drivers that's a lot i don't think we've seen it be that silly for a while right a couple of years anyway yeah, i don't well, know I mean, if we, covid kind of kept it down or what but you know we had we had 22 last year because uh devries stepped in for alvin with his right. concussion and hulkenberg stepped in for vettel when he had uh covid at the beginning of the year um yeah robert kubitza had done some substitution work uh, in in 2020, you know the the real quote unquote COVID year. Uh, you know, Hulkenberg did a substitute for Sergio Perez and for Lance Stroll. We had Jack Aiken come in when you know Lewis was out with COVID and George went to Mercedes, and then Jack Aiken came in for Georgia's spot. And uh, after Grosjean's crash in Bahrain. Right. Uh, Pietro Fittipaldi came in and did the last two races for him that year. So there was 23 drivers in 2020. I just feel like we'll probably see one more. I think... I think it's possible. It is. It definitely is. I think um, as far as big surprises go, I... Think I don't really want to go out on a limb this way. I just I don't know the man well enough. I just have a feeling like Toto's getting near a point where if they're not good this year to a point, 
Soto is going to step aside. Ooh, that's 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 a good prediction. I like that one. It's out in left field. It's not do, do, fired. Do you, think he, do, do you think he stays in Formula One or he just leaves Mercedes? I think he stays with Mercedes. I think he takes a step back. Oh, step back. No, no longer team principal. Mm-hmm. I think he moves back a little bit. He just seems to be a little too competitive. He might come back in the fold some other place. I don't know, but he's just, just I, I don't know. It's just it's one of those things. It just feels like does Toto need this shit? That's it because uh-huh. he and Lewis are so tied together. You wonder if that has a knock on effect with Lewis. Well, yeah, I just you know, and that's the thing. It's hard to read Lewis. Because I feel like Toto, I was going to tie my Toto leave to a Lewis leave. I just don't think Lewis leaves after this year. Um, Lewis says he's going to be around for a little while, but he could easily just retire at the end of the year and say, I don't want to muck it out for the next year or two hoping for a championship. I don't want to drive until I'm 40, 42. You like Fernando, right? Right. So I... I mean, Fernando even took time off and came back. Right. And maybe Lewis would do something like that. I just don't think so. Um... So for me, that's the thing. I think that's a bit of a thing. It's probably, it's out on the limb. It means nothing. I'll look like a fool at the end of the year when he's still here. But I, I'm i going to go out on a limb because what's what's a hot take without a, a leap in a faith? I think Toto might step away at the end of the year, uh, step back into the operations and have someone else take a bite at it. Okay. Any other surprises for you? Uh, I don't know if it's a surprise so much. I mean, I, it comes from my from my rankings and everything. I just think Oscar Piastri has a precocious year as a rookie. Gotcha. All right. Uh, as far as disappointments, uh, big disappointments for me, I think McLaren will be an absolute disappointment. I, I just don't think they'll be competitive week to week. I think it'll be a, a year of soul searching. Um, you know, I like total wolf on your side. I don't know if that causes Zach Brown to reconsider everything in his life. <laughs> um, but I mean, he's been at the helm for a while. It seemed like he was pulling all the right strings to turn the, uh, the, the team, the company around. Um, and just have kind of been, you know, floundering in the middle of the pack the last year and a half. Um, and, you know, how long is Lando going to stick that out? But I, I feel like McLaren's going to be a big disappointment. I think Yuki, as I talked about him finishing last, possibly getting, uh, you know, his, his walking papers before the end of the year. Um, I think Yuki will be a disappointment. What do you have on your side? I think disappointment-wise, I'm definitely going to be disappointed by Mercedes' performance this year, given you would like to see them bounce back from a a tough year last year, at least in their eyes. I don't think they're going to uh, bounce back the way they want to. And the only reason they're going to jump to second for me is because of parity, less than actual uh, hardcore success. But... One of my major disappointments is I believe, given the way the season goes next year and the little bit of silly season that we've talked about potentially happening, I will be disappointed that we do not get to see one of our more promising Americans that are in the line to maybe potentially jump to F1 that they did try to get around this year. 
I think we won't see them show up in 2024 either. There's not going to be a seat for another American in 24. And we're going to lose a little bit of this momentum to see Americans in the sport. Not that it's a huge deal. It's just, it's nice to have, to see American growth over there as Americans ourselves. I just don't think we're going to see the expansion in a team to add the American team. I don't see we're going, we're not going to see another American driver on the circuit in 2024. Um, We'll have to deal with Sergeant for, you know, that's that's the best we can hope for. Gotcha. Um, and some some uh, shocking moments like, what are what are some, you know, expectations you might have for maybe some fireworks or, you know, I obviously I talked about Red Bull dropping Prez, which would be absolutely shocking, um, and un nearly unprecedented. But, you know, that's one. I think Signs and Leclerc are bound to come together at some point this year. I oh, think you they... stole mine. I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know they, they have all the makings of infighting. I know they, they, they play nice to the cameras and they might genuinely like each other off track, but they are in a championship fighting car. And... You know, if Freddie Vassour can keep them in line, that's one thing. But I know Signs feels like he's just as good as any driver on the grid, and I think that might have a negative effect or two. So potentially, we're looking at three teams that could come to blows, and that's not even counting Mercedes, who who have like an evenly mayor, uh, evenly matched pairing. But you know, look at Haas, Alpine, Mercedes, Ferrari. Uh, there, there's some potential for some real team infighting this year. Fair enough. No, I think that's true. I mean, it's a tradition unlike any other. Ferrari drivers getting to a point where they crash each other in race. Um, but th- for me, I think surprises. I think Piastri. Well, let me be fair. I will. I will open the field. I won't be that fair. I, guess. I think a rookie scores points in the first five races of the season. Like each of the first five or within the first no, five. A rookie. A rookie will score. Okay points in the first one of the in the first five races of the season a rookie will at least score uh score points once um that may not be a surprise that may not be that big of a surprise i just think uh some of the some of the rookies you may hey whatever but i i also just believe in pastry um besides my come together which me and steve agree on i do believe ferrari come to blows this year I mean, given your prediction for Red Bull, you don't think that uh, that would be predicated by Checo racing Max when he shouldn't? Again, like I said, the the, the field is ripe for <laughs> some kind of infighting, and I want to see it. I, I want to see, like, old-school NASCAR-style meet-me-at-the-motor-home, punch-you-with-your-helmet-still-on you know, shenanigans. So I, I have to ask you, who is the uh, Latifi well-timed uh, yellow safety flag car. <laughs> safety car. Uh, when we don't have Latifi in the field this year, uh, Yuki. <laughs> Fair I'm sorry. No, with no Mazepin or Latifi, it, it has to be Yuki. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, sorry. I because with all that's going on, I will say this to play into your swapping drivers and weird things happening. I think. Mick Schumacher drives in a race this year. 
Okay, so you think he'll be a sub? Do you think he'll be a sub for Mercedes? So that's hard because I'm playing. I'm playing the game here. He's a sub potentially for two teams, right, or four teams technically if you add it all together. Um, well, I, I, you know, Aston Martin's yeah. a, Aston Martin's a Mercedes team, but I think Felipe Djokovic gets the call before him. Is um, Mick not also a potential for McLaren in a special deal? Uh, in that case, yeah. I mean, he's no yeah. longer a Ferrari junior, mm-hmm. um, so it's not like he'll step into any of those. Uh, I mean, any any deal can be made, right? Um, so I think I think he's technically in the pool for McLaren under a special deal this year. So I think I think Mick potentially. I'll shit. I'll say it. I, I don't care. <laughs> Lewis misses a race. He's an older man. Injury, hard ding, crash, whatever. COVID. He likes to get out and have fun. And do his thing. I will I, say he's typically like one of the more safer guys when it comes to COVID guidelines, though. Right. Um, he goes. I'll just say he'll he'll get caught by something. He might miss a race, and Mick gets a race. Gotcha. I'll go surprise. I will. I will say Mick gets a race with Mercedes. Okay. And the last thing. I want to like throw out there as a possibility prediction is will there be a driver winning their home race this year? Now the, the last couple of years we've had the max one, the Dutch grand prix, the last two years, Lewis won at Silverstone two years ago. Um, will there be one, if not more this year there there's, quite a bit of opportunity looking at the calendar. We've got Charles in Monaco. Right. We've got Max in the Netherlands. If you want to throw Max for Belgium, he was born in Belgium. So sure. if, if he wins his spots at a home Grand Prix, you know, maybe. Um, but Charles in Monaco, uh, Max at the Dutch Grand Prix, uh, Spanish Grand Prix, you have Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz. Right. The British Grand Prix, you have Lando Norris, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, and, you know, Alex Albon is a Thai Brit. Uh, right. So, opportunity there. Sergio in Mexico. Right. Yuki in Japan. Oscar Piastri in Australia. Lance Stroll in Canada. He's got a stronger car this year. And... Of course, Logan Sargent has three tries. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if you were going to throw Logan Sargent in there. Obviously, the most meaningful him probably would be Miami. Yep. Um, but he has three tries on He's American He's got three sword. cracks at it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have two French drivers and no French Grand Prix. Uh, and, and we have Hulkenberg. And, you know, for, I think, maybe the fourth year running, we have... Oh, no, third year running, we have no race in Germany, which is sad. I know that's, that's shocking to me. I just, you know, I keep seeing, keep watching this, and I'm like, why not? We we put a we put a race in literally every other European country, but we can't put one in Germany. It, you know, and and Germany's been just an absolute stalwart on the calendar. Uh, whether it's been at you know 2020, the Nurburgring filled in right. during you know the COVID season, um, and typically they're racing at Hockenheim, which I think is a great track, great location. Um, 
but but it's tough when Formula One is asking for you know the tracks themselves to come up with a lot of the financials to put on these races. Um, you know they they look at an already loaded European calendar and it's like well we can expand it to the Middle East and add Saudi Arabia and add Qatar. We can add another two races in America and you know before you know it you've got you know 23 races looking down the barrel at potentially 24 25 um it, it's a it's a tough call to make i i you know I, I always enjoy races there in germany i especially when you had you know sebastian vettel on the grid the last couple right. of years and him not having a chance to have a last race in germany a farewell race um so yeah i mean do do we want to throw out the likelihood of world conflict canceling a race or having to move a race somewhere else? That I mean, seems that, like it happens enough. Like we had COVID cancellations, we had Russian cancellations. I I really don't want to see another conflict induced, you know, closure or cancellation of a race because that typically means worse things outside of Formula One. Right. Um. So, I I will say that we will have two drivers winning their home Grand Prix. And if I'll go a step further, I think Lewis will win the British Grand Prix and Charles finally gets the monkey off his back and wins Monaco. I agree Charles needs to win Monaco. I just feel like that has to happen. He's been snake bit there more than he has been not good. And so I... Snake bit. It's not even like he's been snake swallowed. He's been boa constricted. That's like it's like that scene where uh, in the Simpsons where Sideshow Bob is surrounded by rakes and he just keeps stepping into them. That's that's Charles at Monaco. The guy crashed in the historic Grand Prix. Like he 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 crashed in the show race. Like that. I'm surprised he doesn't like crash his bicycle there. Right. Uh, I don't know if it's just too much pressure to win your own, uh, too much expectation, just too much Ferrari. What? Too much, too much Ferrari. Uh, but again, a little less Italian, a little bit more France. Let's let's see. Maybe that works for Monaco this year. Um, so I agree. I think I just think it's going to be obvious. Uh, I hate to say it. Max wins uh, in uh, his lovely Dutch uh, home. Seems to own that track. I mean, they, yeah. they've only raced there twice, but he's been dominant both times. So those are, I, I agree. I think Charles Monaco, I think Max wins his home. And uh, I think that'll, that, that does it for mine. That may not be out on, I, the, on the limb, but I think that's, that's what I think is most likely to happen. I will tell you, I'm not rooting. Like the, I, I could not root more for Checo winning in Mexico. Like I think if any, if if Max wins twenty three race or twenty two races this year, and the only other person to win a race is Checo, but if he wins it at Mexico, I'll look back on twenty twenty three favorably. I agree. I he goes uh, the most heartwarming for me would be Checo in Mexico. I just don't know if that happens. Yeah. And at I, that point in the season, is he not driving for Red Bull? I mean, in your in your scenario, yeah. Listen, I, I, there there's what my heart would want to see. There's what my <laughs> head would think would happen. Like, listen, I as much as I would look, may, maybe. Here we go. Let's play it out. Checo wins in Mexico, but only because he makes contact with Max 
racing for first place. Max is out of the race, and his championship lead gets cut severely by that win. And now, like, Leclerc is chomping at his ankles in second place, only a few points behind. And, and Max really needed that win for some breathing room. But Checo fights him into turn one, pushes him off, and retires. Checo wins the race. Hero. But it's it's just the straw that breaks the Dutch camel's back. And and a win that cost him his job. It's a win and, that cost and I right off into the mother bleeping sunset. Like I don't care. I like I won Mexico. I won my home race in front of my dad and my kid. And Red um, Bull for be ever be booed. In yep, Mexico. Red Bull for, and then <laughs> two races later. Well, I mean the next race is Brazil, and presumably they bring in Danny. But then the next race after Brazil is Las Vegas. So you could get a Checo win. In Mexico and, and still there. get Danny in Vegas. All so, right. Well, I mean, your narrative works. Your narrative works. It does. Yeah, damn like right it. it works. That's, well, I'm saying that's a. I think that would make it a hell of a season. And we promised a hell of a season when we started this podcast. And I think with that narrative, it's a good time to end our podcast, our first episode of our podcast this yeah. season. Have Aaron uh, Foster deliver the script. <laughs> I think if if we could give you that script, folks, you you would watch that movie ten times out of ten times in a row. I just, I think that's a hell of a season. It might be a little disappointing at times, but hell, it's going to be entertaining as you can possibly imagine. Yeah, week to week, come back to us in the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast to get more insight, opinions, especially from an American angle. You know, we're, we're, we're a couple of homegrown Yanks. Uh, we're into Indy. We're into NASCAR. We grew, you know, grew up in the South, growing up on NASCAR. Uh, found our way into a love of Formula One. So if you like talking shop, like to listen to two guys who don't know what they're talking about, talk about it. Steve, Steve dragged me kicking and screaming into open wheel racing, and here I am loving F1. Uh, so all credit to him. That's why we're here together today. But yes, please stay tuned all season to the Red, White, and Blue Flags uh, F1 podcast with me, Ryan Vasquez, co-host Steve McNally. We're your two Americans in the paddock this season. So show us some love on Facebook, on Twitter, on all the socials. Download us. We are wherever you download your podcast. See you next time.